welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. Well, hallelujah. We're going to stand together with our Bibles and we are going to repeat what we always confess with our Bibles. Amen. What we believe. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is my Bible. I believe what it says. I believe I am who it says I am. I believe I can do what it says I can do. I believe I have what it says I have. And now I'm about to receive the incorruptible, the ever-living, never-dying seed of the Word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is open. And as a result, I'll never, ever, ever, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's be seeing it. Do you believe that, church? You'll never be the same again. We're taking this word in today, and, you know, this word, if we'll allow it, will bring change to every area of our heart. I've entitled this message today, Trust and Obey. It's what I call one of those messages that helps us grow up, grow up in him. You know, we're born into Christ, hallelujah. We become that spiritual babe. And then we need word to feed us and help us grow. And this is a word that's going to help us grow. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the word says. But how do you function in this new kingdom? We function with the word of God. And if we look at 2 Timothy and chapter 3, verse 16, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, 2 Timothy 3, Verse 16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity, a moral courage, so that a man or woman of God may be complete. That word complete means mature, so that we'll mature. In other words, we'll grow up and be proficient, outfitted, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we know how to live in the kingdom of light because of this word. So we read this word, but we're not just a hearer of this word, we're also a doer. Amen? You know, the only word that you will you really know, it's not the word that you can reference. It's not the word you can quote. It is the word that you can put working in your life, that other people see working in your life. That is the measure of word that you really know. And it's interesting to know that, you know, back in the Garden of Eden, um, do you remember Adam and Eve were told, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but there's one tree that you can't eat of. And that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just that one tree. Because if you do, you will surely die. They were told. You look up the scripture. Genesis 2 and 16 to 17. If you eat of that tree, you will surely die. 
God was talking about their spiritual death. But what did they do? You know, it was a test, wasn't it? It was a test. You don't eat it. Don't take. Don't take anything of that tree. Any other tree, yes, but not that one. So they were tested in obedience. They weren't tested in how much faith they had. They weren't tested in how developed they were in humility. They were tested in obedience. So obedience is something that's very, very important to God. You know, children, when they're born, just know how to obey, don't they? Parents wave at me. Don't they just know how to obey? They just come out and, you know, to get to about one and two. You don't have to put any locks in the cupboard. You don't have to put any fire guard up because they just know how to obey, don't they? No, I didn't find that with any of my three. No, they don't know how to obey. As we were hearing last week, you've got to train them. You've got to say you've got to obey. You obey me. You obey mommy. You obey daddy. You obey. And as they're little, they don't even have to understand why. They just obey. And as they come to a stage of why mommy, you can explain a bit more. But by that stage, they should know they're to obey. Mommy and daddy says, do this. They do it promptly. They say, don't do this. They don't do it. Just teaching obedience. Now, if God has put that in the word, the children obey their parents in the Lord for it is right. Well, who's our father? Who's his children? Should it be any different when we're in the kingdom of light? When God says in his word, to do this. Well, I don't want to do that. Or God says, this is the way you should walk. Well, the church down the street doesn't do that. They don't teach that. So what? Here we teach this word from the front to the back, and we believe everything in it. Amen? So he is our father, and we're called to be obedient to his word. Then the other thing is, our spirit's down here, our spirit located in our belly, and we get promptings by the Holy Spirit. He's going to prompt us to do things. He's going to prompt us to make a phone call, see how somebody is. He wants us to obey that prompting. He doesn't give you a prompting just because he's having a good day, and I'll just prompt him to do that today. No, it's for a reason. So when you get that prompting to make a phone call or a prompting to, to take that particular job or a prompting to sit down and speak to one of your children and say, you know that friend that I see around your life right now, I don't believe they're a good influence in your life. The prompting of the Spirit comes for a reason. So it's not for, oh, I got a prompting there. Well, I'm not going to bother acting on it because it's not convenient for me right now. I know we're called to obey, and we're called to obey promptly, and it's to our advantage. It's a blessing. There's blessings and obedience as we obey because there's reasons involved. Amen? This word is given to us so that we'll have good success. That's why uh, Joshua 1.8 says, Be in the word day and night, muttered over and over and over. And you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. So God wants us to increase. He wants us to have good success 
in life, in our relationships, in everything that we do, be successful. But we're called to then obey that word and obey the prompting. You know, anytime you disobey, it's, a, it's very, very serious. Like I said, teach the children, you know, there's like an invisible blessing umbrella, I would say, above us. You can just imagine that blessing umbrella. And that umbrella is above us. But the minute we disobey God, we step out from under that protection of that blessing umbrella. We step away from it. And so if you have disobeyed God in some area, if you're not lining your, your life up to this word in an area and you know about it, what happens is you just say, sorry, God. I'm sorry for not obeying that prompting. I'm sorry for not lining up with this word in that particular area. And you step back under that blessing umbrella and that protection. Amen? And, um, you know, obedience, really obedience is a fruit of trust. When you trust God, when you trust his word, you'll obey. It shows how much you trust him as you obey this. It shows how much you love him as you obey the word. Amen? And becoming a disciple of the Lord is growing in obedience. The more you line yourself up to what this word says, you are becoming that disciple more and more and more. And nobody has arrived. There's nobody has arrived and says, oh, I've made it. No, we can all learn. We can all grow. We've all got attitudes to deal with. We've all got things going on, thoughts and so forth. And we can deal with these things according to the word of God. But why do people disobey? Why do we choose to disobey at times? Number one, it is, as I've said, lack of trust. Maybe God tells us to do something and uh, we think we can do it better. That doesn't make any sense to me. I can't reason that out. That makes no sense to me at all. We try and reason what he's told us to do, what he said to do. That just doesn't fit with me. So we think we know better when we hear the Lord. Other things is in our life, you know, because he's interested in how we do the small things, not just the big things, but how we do the small things. And sometimes when we're waiting on God, we're waiting on promises, and they're delayed, I tell you what, it, it really shows us, shows me how am I trusting when things are delayed. It seems to be delayed, but God has timings. And as I need wait, he's given me patience. As I put that patience to work, I'm trusting him. I'm trusting your timing, God, not my timing. It's a trust thing. Trusting him. Hallelujah. You know, if you were going, you were flying in, in an airplane, you were going off somewhere just flying away into the sun, you would not dream of taking over from the pilot, would you? And land on that plane. Would you? Come on, would you? But how many people in church who call themselves Christian, knowing that this is the word, lights the way, shows us where to go, shows us how to do it, take it all into their own hands. You can have this, but you can't have that area. I know best. And they don't think there's going to be any fallout from it. 
Just like if you took over from a pilot, there'd be a big fallout, wouldn't there? There would be for me, because I have no idea about flying a plane. There'd be a big fallout. There's going to be fallout in your life if you think you know it better than this word. There's going to be fallout in your life if you don't want to listen to the promptings and act on those promptings in your spirit. And we don't want that. We want the blessings. We want to stay under that blessing umbrella. Amen? So it's trusting God with our life in the small things and the big things. God hates rebellion, disobedience. And that was one of the things. That's why Satan was cast out of heaven. But if we turn over to 1 Samuel, it's a passage that is known to us all, 1 Samuel. I want us just to look at Saul here and how he disobeyed. So chapter 1 Samuel chapter 15, and we'll start in verse 1, New King James Version. Samuel says, Samuel was a prophet. Samuel said to Saul, Uh, who was the king at the time. The Lord has sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he has done to Israel, how he ambushed him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now here's his instructions. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they have and do not spare them. Both uh, kill both man and women, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them, and we'll go down to verse 7. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is the east of Egypt. And he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. And the word came to Samuel, saying from the Lord, uh, this is every time I read this, I greatly regret, Lord says, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned his back from following me, and he has not fulfilled my commandments. It grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. And it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel said to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I've performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is all this bleeding in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Samuel said, They brought him from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet. Shut up, in other words. I'll tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, when you were head of the tribes, when you were not head of the tribes of Israel, and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord has sent you on a mission 
and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners and the Amalekites and fight against them until they're consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down in the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on a mission in which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the plunder, the sheep and the ox, and the best of the things which they could have utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For, for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So you see here that it was very clear that Saul was given an action. He was to go and utterly destroy everything of the Amalekites. Men, women, kids, animals, everything, and the king. But they came back with the king and some of the oxen and the sheep. And um, not only did Saul not take responsibility for his disobedience, but he tried to blame it on the people. That was even worse. I tell you what, do not blame those around about you. Take ownership. If you've done something, Take ownership, own it, and say, God, I'm sorry. Don't try and shift the blame. Like Adam, like Eve, don't try and shift it. Take ownership. We see that Saul, uh, Samuel, he thought, you know, are you stupid? You told me you've killed everything, and here I'm hearing the sheep. You've not killed everything. So Saul did what he seemed was right. In other words, he went in the mission. He killed a lot of people, but he didn't do exactly what God said. You can be doing something that's right, God's told you to do, but if you put your own spin on it and don't do all that God's told you to do, then that is disobedience, no matter how you think you've fulfilled what he's asked you to do. Samuel says, no more excuses. Done with excuses. And here um, in verse 22, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? You can read it like this. The Lord has great delight in obeying the voice of the Lord. He delights greatly when you obey. Obedience is key. Obedience is required of us. Amen? But it's for us. It's for us. Why do we tell the child not to crawl into the fire? It's for their sake, isn't it? It's for them. Now, I know Crystal would have been the one who would have tried that, you know. She's always going toward the fire. But it was for, she didn't like it, you know. She'd look at me and, no. And then, you know, she'd get a bit close. No, Crystal, no. But she thought, oh, mommy's being too hard. This couldn't be right for mommy doing this. This is a lovely, bright, warm, glowing entity that I just want to touch because she was touchy-feely. I just want to touch it. Why is mommy being so strict about this? 
Was mommy being strict because mommy felt like being strict with her? Or was mommy doing it to protect her? It's for our blessing. This word is for our blessing. The promptings in our spirit are going to bless us or bless others through us. And if we bless others, guess what? He who waters will be watered themselves. So it's always going to come back and bless us. Always. Amen? So we don't want to get into rebellion. We don't, we don't want to get into doing things God's, um, our way and not God's way. You know, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19 says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That's a good promise, isn't it? I'll eat the good of the land. Thank you, Lord. I'm willing and I am obedient. And Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So God helps us to be willing to do his good pleasure. He helps us. God helps us do everything, everything. And we've got the Holy Ghost within us, our helper to help us to do right. Amen. So the areas, what some of the areas that we're being obedient in in this word is, well, through salvation, we heard the word. We received that word. We were saved. Amen. We, 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 we took the seed of the word. It was planted in our heart. And we said, Lord, I want to give you my heart. Another thing after that then is be baptized in water. If anybody here is not baptized in water, please come and see any of the elders. And we will be having a baptism service coming up soon. So it's a command, be baptized in water. Another command is don't forsake the assembling together. In other words, church, when the church doors open, the prayer meeting is called, church is called, we come. God calls, we come. Amen. We don't forsake the assembling. Another thing is in tithing and giving. The word talks so much about money. And yet there's some people that I've met, and they hate the fact that you talk about money, even though it's referenced so much in the word. So we're told to... um, Bring our tithe, the tenth of everything we get. And that's not a biggie, really, is it? If everything we believe as a Christian comes from God, if I was to come up to Stephen, I said, Stephen, here's a hundred pounds. And then at the end, I said, Steve, you know, he's better off for that hundred pounds. He says, No, will you give me ten pounds of that back? He still have ninety pounds. But, you know, there's some people you give the 100 pound to and you ask 10 pound back and they say, no, it's mine. You're not getting it. I need it. God has a way of bringing provision in our lives. Remember, we're not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. We're in the kingdom of light. And the kingdom finances work a whole different way than the kingdom of this world. We're called to witness, go into the world, preach the gospel, amen, share with people, share our story with them. We're called to be separated from the world, love not the world or anything in it, amen. We're called not to hold on to tightly to things that God has given us, not hold on to them. Um, once we have it, that's ours. No, we're not to hold anything of this world, um, we're not to love that. God is our first love. Amen. Let's turn then to, to Psalms 112. 
Psalm 112. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago about the established hearts of Psalm 112. And this psalm, it talks about the man who greatly delights in keeping God's commandments. What will happen for the man who, or woman who greatly delights in keeping God's commandments? Starting in verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. I'm reading this first verse from the Amplified. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man who fears the Lord with awe-inspired reverence and worships him with obedience. We're called to worship him with our obedience, who delights greatly in his commandments. The New Living Translation says, delights in obeying his commands. So these promises and this, this psalm from this point on goes, this is what will happen for the man or woman who delights, they have joy in obeying God's commands. Verse 2, his descendants will be mighty in the earth. I don't know about you, but I want my seed and descendants, children to be mighty on the earth. I want them to do great exploits for the kingdom, great exploits for God. I want them to have prosperity and good success in all that they do. That's the heart of a parent. Amen. They'll be mighty on the earth. Someone who delights in keeping God's commandments, their seed, children will be mighty in the earth. And the generation of the upright will be blessed. What a promise. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Hallelujah. Whether you have children or not, this applies to you. Wealth and riches will be in your house as you obey and greatly delight in keeping his commands. And his righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous and you know, upright in right standing with God. Micah in chapter 7, verse 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I will rise. Hallelujah. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. There's times that we go through dark days. There's times that we go through trying seasons, difficult seasons. Even for the man and the woman who greatly rejoice in the commandments of the Lord, there's going to be times in your life when the storms come. Times in your life when the dark clouds come. But the Lord will light your way. The Lord will be light unto you even in the darkness. The Lord will show and reveal himself to you. Amen? What a promise. Number uh, Verse 5, it says, It is well with the man who is gracious and lends, and he conducts his affairs with justice. Or another word in some translations is discretion. He will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. And he'll not fear when bad news comes. That's awesome. We don't fear when, when the sirens go. And we hear the ambulance running, and you know, the Satan wants our mind to wonder, oh, could that be one of mine? No, we don't fear. We don't fear. His heart is steadfast, trusting, confidently relying and believing in the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, greatly delighting in this word, greatly delighting in the Lord is absolutely wonderful. 
Do you remember the story? I'll just quickly turn to it. Second Kings talking about Naaman. And Naaman, um, Second Kings in chapter 5, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. Naaman, um, he was a great honorable man, it says, verse 1, in the eyes of his master, because of, by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. But he had leprosy. He was a leper. And um, on one of the raids, the Syrians had gone out and they had brought back a captive young girl from the land of Israel. And she became a servant to Nahum's wife. And one day this girl said to the wife, she said to Nahum, would you not think about going to Israel and, and visiting the prophet Elisha? And um, God can heal you. He can heal you of leprosy. And she started to talk to him about how he could be healed. And so he went to his commander and he asked for leave that could he go and off he went. And he went to Israel and he found Elisha. And uh, it says here in verse 8, um, or sorry, um, verse 9, Then Naaman went up to his horses and chariot and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you'll be clean. But Nahum became furious, and he went away, and he said, Indeed, I said to myself, he'll surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. So again, here we see that Nahum thought that this was going to be done a certain way. He was on a mission. He'd gone to Israel, and he's, his mission was, I'm going to get healed. I'm going to be healed of my leprosy. And he meant it. And he took gifts and everything with him. He meant it. He, he went with faith. He was going to come back healed. But also in his head, he got into reason. When I meet the prophet, he's going to come out. And he's going to say, hello, Naaman. How are you? And he's going to, you know, do some waving about. And, you know, be healed in Jesus' name. And he thought that was going to happen. No, Elisha didn't even come out of his house. He sent a servant to give him the message. And what was the message? Go and dip seven times in the river Jordan. And that was a stinking dirty river. He talks himself, name and says, why couldn't I go home and just dip in the lovely rivers from my home place? They're much cleaner. But as he was... As a servant convinced Naaman, he says, if Naaman, if Elisha had asked you to do some great thing, you would have gone and done it. Why don't you just go do what he said, the simple thing, seven times? And they convinced him, and he did. And you can imagine him just going and dipping down once, twice, three times, four times. I mean, the humility, five times, six times, seven times. But when he came out of that water, did he have leprosy? No, he had no leprosy. Doing it God's way, in his timing, waiting for him, not running ahead of him, waiting for him, trusting him. Even when you don't understand something, don't put a spin on it. Don't try and put your own spin on. You know, perhaps God's been telling you and talking to you about 
things in your life that need to change. An area in your life needs to change. A relationship in your life you just know is not right. Well, what if I told him I couldn't be his friend anymore? Going to hurt his feelings? Well, whose feelings are you going to hurt more? The God who said to stop that relationship? Or the person? So whatever it is this morning, whatever it is, we need to line up our, our, our lives more to this word. Hallelujah. We can do that. And areas of God's been just bringing to you this morning as you've sat under this word. Maybe Holy Spirit has just alerted you to, yeah, that, that's an area I need to look at. This is an area I've, I've strayed a bit of not being obedient. And then you repent. You say sorry. And you determine to do it right. Determine to do what he's asked you to do. Determine to follow this word in that particular area. Amen. Well, let's pray and respond to this word today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that your word brings us good success as we put it into action. Lord, we ask, Father God, that each one of us, Lord, does your word more and more, Father, the way you've set us to do it. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the promptings that you give us. We thank you for your leading through that still, small voice, through that prompting, that inner tug in our spirit. And we don't ride over those tugs in Jesus' name. And this morning, God, we just repent. Just quietly, just take a moment. And if that's you and you have something there, something maybe the Lord's asked you to do and you've not followed through on, you just repent. Just say, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry for delaying. I'm, I'm sorry for rebelling against your word. I'm sorry for, try, for thinking I, my way is better. I want your way. And so I say sorry, Lord. Knowing that you receive that, sorry, you receive that repentance. And as I leave here today, I'm going to rectify that. I'm going to do what your word says. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. I'm going to rectify because I want to please you and I, I want good success in my life. I want to stay under that umbrella of blessing. I don't want to give any reason for the enemy to be able to have access into my life. I thank you, Lord God. Thank you that you're a good, loving Father. There's many things that you want to protect me from. There's many blessings that you want me to have, but you know when I'm ready to have them. I thank you that I can trust you as my loving, heavenly Father, I give you praise and thanks today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps and blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on Facebook.